parents have asked me this question a lot. How do I get my spouse or my partner to buy in with what I'm trying to teach my child or buy in with the approach that I'm using? This is episode 106. We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Hello, my friends. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Thank you for joining me. This is such an exciting time. And specifically today, we're going to be talking about something a lot of parents have contacted me about over the past few weeks. This is an issue that seems to pop up, crop up almost consistently since I've been working with Smarter Parenting, but also before that when I was working in homes helping families. So this is something that is going to absolutely help you along your path if you are working with a spouse or a partner in rearing your child and getting on the same page. This has to do with how do you help your partner or your spouse understand the approach that you're doing and get them on board. I want to be able to openly discuss this topic with you because I think it's an important one that we need to lay some groundwork to help you along this whole process. And so we're going to be talking about conflict resolution. Now, you may think, wow, that's kind of a big term or that's something that I've only heard in law schools or discussions in politics. But the skills and the things that are associated with conflict resolution really resonate with our ability to work with a spouse or a partner into getting on the same page in how to rear a child. So we're going to be talking about that. We are also going to be talking about the two skills that you need to know in order to overcome this difficulty. The two skills, I can tell you right now what they are, because we'll discuss them more in depth later. The first one is effective communication. So the skills of effective communication, we're going to go through the steps of each of those. And then we are going to talk about decision making. So those two skills together, effective communication and decision making. Now, you may be wondering, why are we combining two of these skills? Well, what you need to understand is you can effectively communicate with somebody and you can express your view and they can express their view and you can say, okay, that's great. But without decision making, without you coming together and forming a plan on how you're going to approach it and deciding how to move forward, you're just communicating effectively, which is wonderful. You can get to that place where, hey, you understand me, I understand you, that's fantastic. So you need effective communication and you need decision-making or the skill of sodas, which we will discuss as well in depth. So you're going to need both of those. Now, you can also make decisions, and if you don't have effective communication, it's not going to work. Because you can say, hey, we're going to decide we're going to do this. But if you're unable to communicate the nuances of why you made that decision and why you both agreed upon it, you're going to find one parent doing one thing based off of what you've agreed and the other one challenging it all the time. Right? So this is a big topic. And I want us to be able to really discuss it openly and for you to be able to walk away with both the skill of effective communication and with decision making in order to help you resolve the conflicts that are coming up. So 
parents have asked me this question a lot. How do I get my spouse or my partner to buy in with what I'm trying to teach my child or buy in with the approach that I'm using? Let's talk about couples and then let's talk about conflict resolution and then we will jump into the skills. So let's talk about couples. Couples come together uh, based off of their affection and their love for each other and they obviously find a connection and during that connection they're able to form an agreement. So couples agree that they are going to work together, make things work out. When I have worked with families and I've had two parents on opposing views, I have found that the majority of their arguments revolved around very specific topics. It was usually around money. It was around trust. It was around support, emotional support. Extended family tended to be an issue. Religion was one. But one of the biggest issues was children. How do we rear our children? How do we raise our children in a way that we both agree will be beneficial? So I'm going to introduce you to a couple that I worked with. I changed their names for their own protection and for their own privacy, but we're going to call them Miguel and Angela. Now, Miguel and Angela had two children. They're a married couple. They struggled with how to raise their child, and Miguel was old school. So Miguel wanted to do things the way he was raised. Angela was more open to new approaches. So Miguel and Angela came into the office, and we sat down, we talked, we discussed what was going on, and Angela was doing all the talking. Miguel sat on the other side of the couch just looking out the window. He would answer questions, but usually with one sentence. He was just not engaged in the conversation. So we started to talk about, hey, what is happening in your family, and in what way can we move forward in getting you on the same page in rearing your child? Now, this took me back to my days in my undergraduate work. When I was attending school for my undergraduate degree, I took a course on conflict resolution, and I thought it was fascinating on how we can communicate and get people from opposing views into the same room and get them to leave the room agreeing on something where both of them felt validated and respected. I started to talk to them about... Uh, their approach, their approach with each other, their approach in how they can engage with each other, and things to be aware of. One of the things that I pulled in order to help them better understand this were very specific mindsets that they needed to understand. So what can I do to help my spouse participate in what I'm doing? There are four specific things that I ask them to consider. And this is in their own perception of the partner and also of the parenting experience. So this information actually comes from Harvard Law School's program on negotiation. I'm going to leave a link in the notes so you can jump over to the Smarter Parenting website. You can find this podcast. You can download the written form, but there will be a link to this website that contains this information on conflict resolution. And this is how we're going to apply it into parenting. Number one, you need to, and all parents need to, overcome the us versus them mentality. Now, groups in conflict tend to have an inaccurate understanding of each other's views, 
And they see the other positions as extreme, actually more extreme than they actually are. So if you're introducing a topic to your spouse and saying, hey, I want to try this new thing with my child, your partner may view that as bigger than it really is, even though you may just want to implement a chore chart, for example. You can overcome the tendency to demonize the other side by looking for goals that you share in common or an identity that you share in common. This is done by saying, hey, look, we're both parents. Let's work together because we both love our child and we're going to find a way to help our child be successful where they are. You can also focus on the goals. Hey, we want our child to get into a good school. We want our child to have a great education and a great experience in school. Both of us want that. And when you get the agreement from the other apartment, uh, from the other partner or spouse, that's where you start to build this framework that you can start to effectively communicate what it is that you're hoping to do, as well as make decisions on how you are going to reach those goals. So try to identify and discuss points of similarity. And this is something that I consistently ask people to do. You want to focus on values, not interests. So don't focus on interests, focus on values. Now, you may be wondering, what does that mean? Well, when you're discussing with your spouse about your child and things that you want to do, focus on the values that you both agree on, not on interest. There was with Miguel and Angela, Angela wanted their daughter to participate in all of these cultural things that were happening in their community. Miguel wasn't interested. He's like, we live in America. I'm good. You know, we're, we're, let's just not waste our time with that. And so instead of focusing on mom's interest in dancing and dad's interest in just moving on, we started to focus on the values. What are the values we want to instill in our child in order to help our child develop into a healthy adult? And one of those things that we found Miguel was in agreement to was, hey, I value that my child speaks Spanish. I value that part of our culture is something I want to be able to hand down. So we started to focus on values related to cultural connectedness and then to build from there. Okay, so first, overcome the us versus them mentality. This is going to be super important for the parent that is trying to make the change because you're going to get frustrated with a parent that is non-compliant or not interested in making the changes. So just be aware of that. Okay, number two is you want to embrace the conflict. Sometimes conflict comes from passion. And conflict also promotes something new. So when conflict comes and there is disagreement in there, accept it and say, hey, this is a step towards my greater goal or our greater goal of reaching a decision on how we can move forward. So as a parent, if you're working with your spouse and they disagree and you end up in an argument, that is okay. That is okay. Understand that conflict is part of that whole process as long as you can move beyond it. And this is where the skill of effective communication is going to come in very, very handy. So you're going to learn how to effectively communicate with each other. Then you're going to make decisions based off of that communication on how to move forward. So number two, embrace the conflict. Number three, understand that change is hard even for adults. So you're going to have to accept that when you're presenting something that is different, something that challenges them to think in a different way, 
it is going to be difficult for them to say, hey, I get it, and yeah, let's just do it your way. What I'm asking you to do is to look beneath the surface to understand the deeper issues that are involved here. You want to take some time to really look over. If you are in a conflict, like we mentioned for the second thing that you should consider, you want to understand that change is hard even for adults and that their outburst or their anger response to you is often on the surface, but there are deeper issues below that. Okay, now with Miguel and Angela, Miguel wanted to raise his children the way he was raised. And as we started to dig deeper and understand deeper what was going on in Miguel's mind, for Miguel, it was a matter of family respect. He loved his parents and felt like the way they raised him was perfect. I mean, he he idolized the way that they did things. And so once we understood that, we were at a place where we could move forward and start talking about, okay, what are the great things that they instilled in you and how can we bring that about to help your child and how can we support that? And then in what ways can we add to that? Understand that change is hard even for adults, okay? But you want to take the time to look beneath the surface and understand that there are deeper issues going on. Now, the fourth thing, and this is the last one, is to be able to separate sacred from pseudo-sacred issues. Now, if you're wondering what that means, and a lot of people do when I discuss it with parents, is that you have certain things that are absolutely sacred in the way that you approach things. For Miguel, it was sacred the way that his parents raised him, and so that was something that was very ingrained in him and that he didn't want bothered or changed as opposed to the dancing, okay? So the dancing is a pseudo-sacred issue. For Angela, she felt like it was important to maintain the culture, but is that the only way to maintain the culture? When they were arguing with each other, it was about whether or not their daughter should participate in cultural dances or not. So for them, that's what they were arguing about. But as you can tell, as we started to peel back the layers, there were deeper things going on here. And there were deeper things on Miguel's side and on Angela's side. So you want to be able to separate what are some things that are absolutely important and sacred that we want to be able to keep and that are really touchstones or touch points for the parent or for the partner. And then what are the things that surround it that are not as essential? Now, with Angela and Miguel, Angela was able to give up the dancing part of it because for her – it did represent the culture, but it wasn't that important. For her, It's it was more, well, I just want our daughter to understand where she came from. So we started to explore in what other ways can she learn that. And with Angela, she found that she was very content in having her daughter read the historical books on their culture. She felt like that was helpful. It had pictures. It was something that delved deeper than just the movements of a dance. Um, And so it was an interesting dynamic to see them work through these, right? So again, I'm going to go over these things, things that you should be considering as a parent if you're working with your spouse or your partner on how to bring them aboard and help them through this process of accepting new ways of doing things. First, overcome the us versus them mentality. Second, embrace conflict. You want to understand that conflict will exist, and it's okay. 
Third, understand that change is hard, even for adults, and look beneath the surface of the conflict for the deeper issues that are at play. And then fourth, you need to learn to separate the sacred from the pseudo-sacred issues. Okay, Some things are important and absolutely essential. Some things surround it that seem important, but can be reached in other ways. My suggestion to Miguel and Angela was that we start going through these. Again, you're going to be able to find a link to this. This comes from Harvard Law School's program on negotiation. It's fantastic information for you if you're interested. But you can jump over there on the Smarter Parenting website to access that under this podcast in order to download it and to read more about it. Let's continue on with what you need to be able to do as a parent in reaching a resolution. And this is using the skills of effective communication and decision making. After I walked Miguel and Angela through this process of being able to recognize what is really essential, understanding that Miguel's disconnectedness from this whole process, there were other issues at play. Embracing that it was going to be uncomfortable and actually stating that out loud and then overcoming that sense of, hey, it's Angela's way or it's Miguel's way. We're going to do it a new way. Once we started addressing those issues, we focused on the skill of effective communication. Now, if you're working with a spouse that is not on board, this is going to be essential for you to learn and to master because this is a gateway to get them into the conversation about how you want to make the changes happen. I'm going to go through the steps and I'll explain how it worked with Miguel and Angela. And then we're going to move on to decision making and how we used both of these in order to reach a conclusion on how to help this family stay together and be strong. So with effective communication, there are six steps. Step number one is you want to look at the person who is talking and pay attention to what they're saying. Number two, once the person is finished speaking, you want to use their words to describe what you understood. Now, again, use their words to describe what you understood. That helps you get on the same page a lot faster than if you just state what you think they said. You want to pay really close attention to their words. Number three, ask the person if what you said is what they meant. And they'll correct you if you're wrong. Number four. In a calm manner, state your thoughts on the subject. Number five, they must repeat what they heard from you using your words. And you want to affirm that they are right or correct, and you can correct them if they're wrong. So you're being able to communicate, yeah, you got that right. No, you didn't get that right. Then you want to come to a solution if possible. If you cannot reach a solution, this is where you move into the skill of decision-making. So there are layers of this that are involved. But you as a parent, if you're working with a spouse that is hesitant or resistant, this is what you want to do when you communicate with them. Now, not only do you want to use this when you're communicating with them about your child, but you also want to do this in every aspect of your communication with your spouse. If you are communicating with your spouse about bills or you're communicating with your spouse about what's happening with the neighbors, you want to be able to use these skills in your interaction. What I have always found to be true is that if one parent starts to communicate this way, 
and the other parent is not communicating this way, over time, the other parent starts to adopt that way of communicating and they don't realize it. I know it's so weird, but once someone is communicating this way, and this is what happened with Angela and Miguel, because Miguel was really resistant at the beginning. I taught Angela this skill so she knew how to use it, and she used it during their conversation. And what we found is that slowly Miguel started to soften in their communications, and he started to adopt some of these steps in the way that he was communicating. Even though I had taught him these steps, he didn't do them initially. It was through Angela's example, Angela modeling it, and me modeling it at the same time that he was able to see it and say, oh, okay, this is how we're communicating. And then he started to adopt it. So you want to be able to do this, and you want to be able to do this really, really well. Use these steps. Now, again, if you are communicating and you both agree, that's fantastic on the agreement on, hey, we understand each other. We still disagree, but we understand each other. That's where the skill of decision-making comes in. So in decision-making, we use something called the SODAS method. And this method has been around for a long time, and it's very helpful. Children can learn this. Adults can learn this. And what it does is it opens up a whole world of possibilities for people to explore and examine ways they can approach a very difficult situation. So I'm going to walk through what SOTAS is. SOTAS is an acronym. So each of the letters stand for a word, something different. So we're going to start off with S-O-D-A-S. The first S is situation. The O is for options. The D is for disadvantages. The A is for advantages. And then we reach the solution. Let's talk about situation first. In the situation, you want to be able to define the situation in detail. You want to be able to say, okay, this is the situation. You want to be very specific. For example, I want my child to know their culture. We're going to use the example from Miguel and Angela. I want my child to appreciate the culture she comes from. Here are the options. For Angela, the option was for her to participate in dance groups. Okay, But that's when we explored what are some other options to reach that, that goal or that situation. That's where we came up with reading literature. One suggestion that Miguel came up with was to spend more time with family, even though they lived far away, to have her go back and visit her grandparents and spend time with them. You know, other options that were thrown up in the air were for her to uh, watch movies, to take grammar where she could understand the language a lot better. I mean, all of these were options. Not saying we're going to do these options. We're just throwing up as many options as we can. Now, in the case of sodas, we only want to choose three options to keep it manageable. Once we go beyond the three options, it becomes a little difficult to manage. So for our own sake, for our mind's sake, we want to focus on three options to reach the solution. After we come up with the options, we want to go to disadvantages, which is the D. We want to list at least three disadvantages for each of those options. So if option number one was, hey, I want my child to participate in dance. Okay, what are the disadvantages to that? For Angela, she stated, well, my child learns how to dance but doesn't understand exactly what the dances mean. We're spending a lot of time. We're spending a lot of money. 
And so it just built from there. We listed the disadvantages for that. Then we moved over, okay, reading literature about her culture. Okay, what are the disadvantages? Well, we have to find good literature that represents what the values that we have of our culture, you know, so forth, so forth, so forth. And we kept going through the disadvantages of each of those. Now, once we list the disadvantages, and this is all just free thinking, we just want to throw everything there so we can look at it. We move down to advantages, and we wanted to list at least three advantages for each option. So in the case with Angela and Miguel, we listed the advantages of her dancing. What are the advantages? She could build relationships with the other dancers, with the teachers. Advantage, she could wear traditional clothing while she was dancing. That's fantastic. Okay. Advantage, you know, uh, we'd be able to record this and she could look at it, back at it later in life and feel connected to this experience. It was an experience for her. Then we moved on, after we listed those, we moved on to the advantages for studying the literature. So we listed the advantages there. Now, once we did this whole process, and you have to write it down. So I'm telling you, write this down. You write this down, you look at it, you want to focus in on the disadvantages. Which of those groups of disadvantages are the worst options? And once you determine that, you can put an X in that box, in that area. Then you want to look at advantages and you want to focus in on what are the best advantages for this whole process. Out of the three that we've chosen, which one shows the greatest advantages? Once you determine those, you can reach a better solution. And the solution was for Miguel and for Angela, it was for them to introduce their daughter to literature and help her understand the literature. So that was the solution in this case. Now, sometimes when you're doing this exercise, you're going to find that there are disadvantages and advantages that are, you know, difficult to determine which is worse and which is best. And if you are stuck after you do a sodas and you're not sure exactly which solution is obvious, which of the options you should choose, you need to do it one more time, but choose different options. That's the way it works. So if you are confounded, if you are in doubt, if you have any hangups and you're like, I don't know, I don't know, do another one, but choose different options. Because by doing this exercise, you open up the ability for you and your spouse to discuss additional things instead of staying focused on the superficial level of your communication. Now, again, I had mentioned with Miguel and Angela, they were so focused on you're against me and you're against this. And you say you support our culture, but you want to raise our child a different way. And right. That was all on the surface. And as we dug deeper and we started to communicate and we started to understand each other better using the skill of effective communication, we were able to make better decisions. Now, this is a way that couples can engage and interact with each other when they're resolving a multiple array of problems that may be coming up with them. This is not only for raising your child. I mean, you can use this when you're discussing how to allocate funds in your budget. You can use this skill in how to plan for a vacation. You can use this skill in you know, how, if you're going to move to a different home, these skills are transferable 
to whatever situation where you and your spouse or your partner need to make a decision. And it's a powerful way to approach problems and resolve conflicts that may arise. Now, I do want to give a shout out to the parents who have reached out with this question. How do I work with my spouse and partner to get them on the same page? I've used Miguel and Angela as as an example because the cultural issue is a deep and seated one. I mean, there's nothing more ingrained in our identity than the culture we attach to. Finding a way to openly discuss something as personal as identity was a difficult thing to do. And The same thing goes with the way that you parent. The complaint that I hear from the majority of parents out there is that the other parent who does not want to change things or do things a different way often says, hey, my parents did it that way, so I want to do it that way. Or it's not that big a deal. I'm not having a hard time. Let's just continue on. Or that's too much. Those tend to be the big issues that are involved in getting people on board. My heart goes out to you as you navigate this carefully with your spouse, because again, you're looking for a teammate. You're not looking to drag somebody along this whole process. You want somebody who's fully vested and on board with what it is that you are trying to accomplish with your child. If you take in the four things that I had mentioned overcoming the us versus them mentality, embracing that conflict is a part of this process, understanding that change is hard even for adults, but look beneath the surface to understand the deeper issues that are hang-ups for your spouse or partner, and then separate what is sacred from the pseudo-sacred. If you're able to incorporate that into your thinking and into your process of engaging with your spouse and then using the skills of effective communication and decision-making, you will find a way to reach your spouse or partner on a deeper level. This is more than just raising your child. This is actually creating connection with your spouse or your partner in a lot of different areas, especially emotionally, to where you can work together and make things happen. Recommendations that I want to make to you if you are along this process, is to model the behaviors that you do want to see your spouse doing with your child. There is something to be said about a parent seeing another parent do something and then seeing changes happen that make them more able to understand it and brings them along in the process. So, for example, if you want your spouse to start to implement effective communication with your child, start using effective communication with your child and be very specific about it. Whether or not they're on board, when you do that, they're observing. And when they observe, they're able to incorporate it more fully into the way that they do it. So you want to start introducing these as a natural way that you're doing that in order for them to feel like, hey, okay, I see how they're doing that, and I can do that too, and I can do that. And sometimes you'll find that they will adopt it even though they don't know they're adopting it, and you'll be able to pick it out because you know the steps specifically. But you'll start to see they're going to start to do things that way as well when they start to see the results that you're seeing. The skills of effective communication and decision-making in this conflict resolution also work with parents who are struggling with a teenager or with a young adult child. If you're able to effectively communicate with them and then help them along the process of making decisions, 
you're really in a good place to build and strengthen the relationship that you have. My goal here is really to strengthen your relationship with your spouse, with your partner, with your children, with everybody. My, my goal is for these children to grow up feeling loved and accepted, for your families to stay strong. I feel that families are the foundation of any society, and the more strength we can give to families and to parents, the better off the entire world is going to be. This is a podcast I would highly recommend you go back and listen to because there is a lot of content in here and we've talked about it, but it's worth visiting again. It's absolutely worth visiting again. In fact, this is a podcast that I'm interested in providing you with a handout for. So I want you to look for a handout about this specific topic that will be available to you to download so you can go through it as well. But go through the notes that are on the Smarter Parenting website under this podcast episode. Go through those notes. Really study it and apply it in a way that you can use it with your spouse, with your partner, and with your children. Again, this is not limited to working with just your spouse or your partner on resolving a conflict or disagreements. This is a skill that you can use in every aspect where there is disagreements with anyone in the world, with your children, with your boss, with your coworkers, with family members. You can use this skill. Okay? So, yes. I want to give a shout out to those parents who have contacted me about this very specific topic. I feel your pain. I understand what you're going through. I understand the struggle that it can be and how exhausting it can be for you to carry that load until your spouse is on board. I get it. I totally get it. But I can promise you, if you stay consistent and you push through, you will see the changes that you are trying to effectuate in your family. You're going to see the changes happening. Just be consistent and follow through and you're going to see it happen. I believe in you. I trust in you. You got this. That's it for me this week and I'll see you again next week. All right. Bye.